You plan to spend two weeks in Madagascar at a clinic for victims of the tsunami. Will you actually do any good, or will your presence merely be an added burden for an overstrained system? What precautions do you need to take so that you will remain a treater and not become a patient? You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing travel medicine. In this show, we will be focusing on medical tourism. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. With me today is Dr. Christy Reed. Dr. Reed is the GeoSentinel Project Director for the Geographic Medicine and Health Promotion Branch within the Division of Global Migration and Quarantine. As one of the editors of the CDC's Medical Guide for Travel Medicine, Yellow Book, she is a nationally recognized expert on travel medicine. Welcome, Dr. Reed. First question, of course, is tell our audience what is medical tourism? Well, medical tourism, if one does a Google, brings up two types of travelers. First, the one that you mentioned, which is a medical professional who travels and will practice their profession in a humanitarian fashion while they're gone. The second and perhaps most common and actually rising in the number of citations are travelers who go specifically to seek health care abroad in order to have a procedure, either cosmetic, medical procedure, or a reproductive procedure in another country. Why would anybody go abroad for a reproductive procedure in another country? There are a variety of reasons. If one looks internationally, people may travel between one country versus another because of restrictions, political or social restrictions in their home country, and a different availability in another country. It might also be of level of care. They seek a higher level of care. Those would be two of the common reasons. I see. I think that certainly uh, there's increasing travel simply for expense. That is, if somebody needs a hip replacement, I certainly read stories about Americans going to places, for instance, like India to get their hip replaced because it's much cheaper. Is that another reason why people might travel? Exactly. Uh, We have seen those reports in the literature also. There are um, a variety of anecdotal reports. This isn't an area that's easy to acquire statistical data on, but the anecdotal reports, yes, are that people travel, maybe they're uninsured, maybe they have to pay out-of-pocket costs. So yes, a lot of people are citing cost as specifically a reason that they're traveling to another country. Well, I think with this medical tourism subject, I'd like to try to divide it up into the two categories you already spoke of. And the first, I think I'd like to deal with physicians and nurses and other healthcare professionals donating their time in other countries, typically for a few weeks at a time. Now, I'm aware that there's some controversy about this depending on what level of care they're providing. What has the CDC learned about healthcare professionals going to other countries? What type of trips do they take? What type of care do they provide? if any data exist. Again, in this area, anecdotal data we hear, or we hear from people who are preparing to go abroad, they'll ask us questions. And we make the same advice about preparing for travel as one would for a humanitarian worker to be prepared for situations to maintain your own health. And then other issues are that the level of care they're being asked to provide is consistent with the level of their training. We hear from students who travel abroad and are perhaps, when we hear back from them, are perhaps asked to do something that might be at a higher level 
than they would be eligible to do in the United States. But in any case, we advise them to be prepared travelers, which is looking at the area they're traveling for their own health, for food and water issues. Most healthcare workers in the United States should have dealt with the issue of hepatitis B immunization, but we'd also recommend other immunizations for travelers, recommending they be aware of safety issues, insect-borne diseases. For example, many tropical areas of the world, dengue right now is a very common situation, and our goal is for any traveler to be happy, healthy, and productive while they're gone. Some simple steps, such as using insect repellent and providing barrier clothing to prevent the mosquito from biting is uh, some of our best recommendations. It sounds like somebody should think twice before they actually go as a humanitarian healthcare worker as an individual rather than as part of an organization. You think that's a fair statement? I think if the organizations have thought about some of the concepts that we've talked about and try to work with the local area to determine what their needs are and the best match. So an individual just has much less resources to fall back on. That would be true. I imagine that the CDC doesn't have any position on whether the healthcare worker should start looking things up or get some additional background or training in terms of some of the areas they're going into. Because after all, even if they're asked to do things they're credentialed to do in the United States, the nature of their diseases or injuries that they may be treating would be probably a different spectrum and even severity than seen in the United States. So I I imagine the CDC isn't telling people, oh, you should bone up on local health conditions before you go, even though that might not be a bad idea. Well, we'd advise them from travel health to bone up on those things as we're talking about preventing it among them also. From, we would like them not to acquire anything while they're gone. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Christy Reed, a nationally recognized expert on travel medicine who is one of the editors of Yellow Book. We are discussing medical tourism. Now, what about those travelers who are going to have medical procedures outside of the United States? What advice do you have for them specifically? Well, our advice to anyone traveling outside of the United States is to consider their own health, to consider the situation in the country that they're going to, all of those basic issues that we talked about in terms of food and water. Traveler's diarrhea is one of the most common issues that cause problems for travelers abroad. Mosquito-borne diseases, their own immunizations. If one's contemplating health care abroad, one should think of the same circumstances as one would here, but recognizing that the rules and regulations in other parts of the world are not the same. Uh, Some of the other conditions to consider are what would happen if there were a complication. How would that be managed? Who will provide the aftercare? And in some circumstances, one has to think about whether one's acquiring additional risks. For example, we know in long-term travel, for travel that's more than four hours, whether it's on a plane, a boat, train, or sitting in a car, one has a predisposition perhaps to increase deep vein thrombosis or blood clots in the legs that are always of a concern that they could break off and travel to the lungs. Several of medical procedures or several medical conditions can exacerbate those risks, and those are things that people should think about if they're planning to make an excursion for a procedure abroad. The level of qualification there are a variety of resources one can learn about um, medical health care facilities abroad because obviously if someone's traveling, can find themselves in the same situation of needing health care abroad. 
And in the yellow book online at the CDC Traveler's Health website, which is www.cdc.gov travel, there are a list of entities that one can consult. For example, there's a branch of the Joint Commission, Joint Commission being something most physicians are familiar with from accreditation of their own hospitals. There are accreditation now international systems. They're not based on U.S. standards because they're international, but they're parallel. And those facilities are easily available on their website. So those are just a few things that a traveler should consider. Are there any common procedures that even anecdotally you're aware of that people leave for? Is there something that's more common? Uh, Do people leave for hip replacements more commonly or reproductive-based treatments? We've heard of several categories. There's the reproductive, as you've mentioned. There are also the replacements. Uh, We've heard of heart surgery. We've heard of hip replacements, but also dental procedures. Some people travel for that. Again, cost is often an issue. Cosmetic is another, and one actually can find in many of the popular magazines. That's where I first stumbled into this area myself, was looking through a woman's magazine where it was discussing whether one should have cosmetic surgery, and there was a little ad that said, why don't you have it abroad? It was something like sun and safari or or sun ski and vacation. So those are the categories that it falls into. There's also an international traffic, and it's called organ trafficking. There are international travel for the purpose of organ transplant, and that's something the WHO, World Health Organization, is very interested and concerned about. One can learn more about that by visiting their website at www.who.int. Are there any countries that seem to appeal to Americans? I guess travel goes in two ways. One is Americans going to other countries, and then people from other countries coming here. Are there any countries that Americans in particular uh, like to visit for health care? I imagine one of them might not be Cuba, despite Michael Moore's implications in sicko, but I know there are other countries. So any, does the CDC have any information on uh, what's most popular? It's difficult to acquire these statistics. We have found some indirectly, and it's hard to ter- determine whether they're just Americans or not. There are several places in the Caribbean, and this can also be an issue of what we call VFRs, visiting friends and relatives. If people have emigrated from a particular country, they may go back to visit friends and relatives. They may also seek their health care there. And there are a lot of immigrants between the Caribbean and the United States. The other countries that have a large volume of travel for medical purposes, and again, we can't always tease out whether it's U.S. or not, would be Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, India, Hong Kong, South Africa, Israel, Jordan, Cuba, as you mentioned. These are people going there. So people do go to Cuba. People internationally go to Cuba, whether it's U.S. citizens or not. As I said, that information is difficult to obtain. These are countries where there has been an expansion in the number of persons who arrive there for medical tourism. Oh, I see. So the country of origin isn't necessarily broken down. Right. Those statistics are very difficult. There actually aren't statistics. We can infer from some surveys where we ask people what their reason for travel, but it might be a broad category of medical tourism, and someone might be seeking an alternative therapy, which might also fit into the same category as a surgical procedure. So in these countries that you mentioned, does like one country specialize in one type of thing and the other country specializes in another? Does India a different what it offers from Thailand or 
again, this is just not known? Well, some of our information comes from searching the website, and several of these countries have developed a medical tourism on their national website, part of their tourism. So one can look from country to country as to what they advertise. It does differ in to some countries, and some entities within a country will advertise perhaps specialize in perhaps reproductive, I've seen for some. Others will list a variety of medical procedures. I want to thank Dr. Christy Reed, a nationally recognized expert on travel medicine, and one of the editors of Yellow Book, who has been our guest. We have been discussing medical tourism. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Be safe. Be informed. For comments and questions about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.